Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Well, good morning, all you beautiful people. How's the family? Doing well. Some of you, the rest of you, eh, not so much, eh? Either way, we're good, uh, because I have a message for you that I, I hope is going to be a real challenge for you. I, I didn't actually prepare something that you can sit comfortable and nice and everything. I prepared something that I hope is going to be incredibly helpful for you, and uh, some of you, when you saw the title, Fight Like Family, you probably were triggered right at that moment, right? You're thinking, what? I came to church to be happy, and they give me this? Uh, I hope by the time we're done that you are going to see and know a way that you can actually have this incredibly peaceful life in the middle of whatever is happening in your world, because we're going to talk about kind of the second part of what was, I think, the most powerful part of the last uh, campaign that we went through. There was a whole bunch of things that were great. I'll I'll give you just one story, and then we'll kind of hop on to it. Uh, At our men's group, we had uh, two different tables, and one table, the guy was saying, you know, at the end, will you pray for each other? He said, well, I I usually just say pray for my kids, because our kids are always close to us. But he said, this time, I just kind of felt like I should pray for my brother, which is sort of weird because they hadn't, you know, his brother had ditched his faith a long time ago, kind of didn't have much to do with them, and just sort of out there and, and apart. And they did, they prayed, guys all around the table, everybody went around, they prayed for this guy on, that was Thursday, on Sunday, he gets a text from his brother, and he sends him a a video of somebody doing a really, really great rendition of Amazing Grace. And he's thinking, what is going on here? This is not, this is not what he was expecting from his brother, right? And he said, hey, I've been thinking about this, and uh, I think I need to, to get back to where I was. And so he grabs his phone and he said, hey, you know, what are you talking about? And he said, you know what? You don't know this, but on Thursday, there was a bunch of guys sitting around a table and they prayed for you that you would find Jesus. And he led his brother back to the Lord. How cool is that, eh? And because the whole family, you're getting this, right? The whole family participated in helping that come back together. Now, I, I think... Um, every time we do a campaign, there's always great stuff that happens, but there's something that sort of rises to the top that God is really stirring and working in us. And this time from all the small groups and in talking to you, I think it was that whole area of forgiveness because all of us know we should forgive everybody. You know this, but... (laughs) There are people that you have forgiven. There are people that you might think about forgiving. And then there's those people, right? And all of us are sort of in the process of working through. And and if you're not, don't don't worry. It'll come along very soon. Someone will do this. And and they might even be part of the church family. And so we really kind of dug into that forgiveness part and really feel like there's, you could, you could sense people really going deep with that. And that was, that was, I think, kind of really incredible as a church family that we were able to do this. But that's the first part of it. What I want to talk about is the second part. And, and it's really important that we bring these things apart because when you're forgiving somebody, it's actually between you and God, right? That other person, 
you're, you're just saying, hey, they're there. Me and God need to do some business here. So you and God do some business. That's the first part. If you actually mulch it all together, like I was actually just talking to somebody after the service, and they said, how can I forgive this person? I can't imagine doing it. And I said, whoa, stop, 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 stop. That is second. That's part two. Don't crunch it together. First part is you and God need to do this because then he can give you the power to do whatever is next in part two. So what I'm going to talk to you about is how do you have peace in your relationships with your family? And it can be your family family, your, your biological family, or uh, in this case that so we're going to look into the scripture, it is with your church family or somebody who has hurt you or you're struggling with. And um, I'm going to start off this way. How many of you would honestly say that you are immature? <laughs> That's not super funny. First service, it was like two people. You guys... Everybody. <laughs> you knew I was setting you up, didn't you? And you got a sense of humor. I like that. This is, this is good. Um, this, this message and, and what we're going to be looking at in the book of Philemon is actually two mature guys talking to each other, and they talk to each other like mature people. And this is really important. And I know you raised your hand, but... Um, really what it is, is it's saying, I want to have the depth of relationship where I can have gone through stuff, worked through things, where I can say, you know what, you and I can have a real conversation. Like if I did something to you, you can come back to me and say, hey, you know what? This is what that did to me. And we can really talk. And, and this, is, this is what this is about. This is about two people in the Bible who are saying, okay, we can live like the world lives and uh, not really get into it. And I, and I want you to think about this. How is our society right now functioning in terms of the relationship stuff? This is, this is what I think it is. And, and I was reading uh, the signs of the times from Matthew 24, and this is what it came. And tell me if this doesn't sound a little bit like how our society functions. And it says, and, me, and then many will be offended. Anybody like that? Yeah. And then it says, and people will be betrayed... And they will hate. Now, offended is essentially outrage. I think if you go on the internet, everybody's outraged at everything, right? And then it says the next year you'll be betrayed. Now, betrayed, we can think a lot like it's, you're canceled, and you're canceled, and you're canceled, right? And it's sort of the whole thing in our society that's gotten very weird, right? And then, and then the last one, it says, and then they hate. And hate means that I can't actually grow in my relationship or learn because what I've done, who am I going to pick on? I'm going to pick on you. Who, what I've done is I just hate you, right? And so that means I don't have any conversation with you. I can't actually talk about what's going on in my life because I've just said this. And I think you would agree in our society, there's a lot of this and there isn't a lot of conversation and listening where that's where you actually grow. And that, friends, is where you work things out, right? That's how we get through things. That's how you grow. That's how, after you've forgiven, and God's helped you to kind of do the big flush, then what he does is he says, okay, but that's not good enough just not just to forgive what you can do now. And, and as far as, and it's be at peace as far as it's concerned with you, right? Some people don't want to have anything to do with you. Their deal. 
But most of the time, if you're talking to Christians, and that's what this verse is talking to, it says you can have that peace between people. And it it is difficult, and it's a little bit scary. So here's the picture that I got that I want you to get through this whole message. And you will notice the scary music at the beginning, because it is a little bit scary. But then we get to the point where this is where you get to. Take a look up on the screen. This is you coming up to that situation where you have to confront that person. And you have to work through it. And at the end, this is what happens. I just thought that was great. Isn't that how you want to live your life? Right? If you don't, guys, if you, if you live your life relationally like the world, you'll be bitter, you'll be angry, you'll be frustrated, you'll always be thinking, who can I, and instead, I, I, to me, that, like, that was like, I love that. You can find peace in your relationships, and especially in the church family. That's how we want to do this. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning, and I want to talk about three different people. And you, and, and I'm, I, as I was praying for this message, I asked the Holy Spirit this, that if he would help you to find yourself in each one of these three people, because everybody is, these people aren't just, this isn't a nice story. In fact, this is a story that is, is significant to say you can be either Paul, you can be Philemon, or you can be Onsimus. Onsimus, Onsimus. You can be one of those people, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take some time, and I'm going to give you the first picture of the story, and then we're going to read the scripture. Because you probably don't know... Like Philemon, is that uh, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Philemon? No? Okay, that's Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Yeah. You probably don't know much about Philemon, do you? It's one page. Somebody said to me, why is Philemon even in the Bible? It's all this stuff. Here's why it is. There's a story that happens, and you have Paul who's in prison in Rome, and he sends Onsimus to this place. And Paul is the pastor in prison, and Philemon is the guy who is the, is the jilted victim, and Onsimus is the guy who is the runaway bond servant. Okay? And each one of them has to learn something. What does Paul have to learn? He has to learn that there's risk that's going to happen when you try to bring family members together. Uh, Philemon has to learn that there's a change of perspective. How he was seeing things, is, there's a whole different way to see it. And Onsimus has to learn that there's a new identity that he has. And every one of those things, folks, are things actually you and I, if we're going to help people, if we're going to really live in peace in our relationships. And, and here's what I think is the most important part. When we do this, we actually become something that the world wants and desires. Because most of the hurt and the struggle in people's lives is relational hurt, isn't it? Most of the hurt is relational hurt. And if the church has something that can, can give a new way, a better understanding to how to live life with really fallible people, and some of the people in your life are quite terrible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes. <laughs> and you got to do something with them. And what are you going to do? We have something that the world doesn't have. Okay. So, the story starts out, and I'm going to cut kind of right to the middle, Paul, and he's, he's sent, 
his Onesimus out to this place, and what he does is you hear a knock at the door. Oh, go do this. Knock at the door. And uh, Philemon is going to open the... Oh, no, this is a different door. Sorry. Ignore that. You hear a knock at the door, and Philemon is going to answer the door. Now, Philemon's a good guy, became a Christian through Paul. He, Paul says earlier in the letter that he refreshes people. Say refresh. That's what the church family is supposed to do for each other. You're supposed to refresh each other. Okay. Got that picture? Except when the knock comes and Philemon opens the door, there's this guy that he sees in the door. And the guy that he sees in the door, his name actually means useful, but he was anything but. And so they actually called him useless. Right? So old useless is at the door, and, and old useless had not only run away from him, from his household, but he had stolen from him. And so he sees this guy at the door, and he's expecting maybe some rough centurion would drag this guy in and say, here's your stupid guy, kick him out of here, useless, get him going. But instead, the guy standing beside him, the guy standing beside Onsimus was a, was a friend of Paul's, his spiritual dad. And I want you to just put yourself in the place of Philemon, right? He's looking. He looks at this guy, this scoundrel, this guy who stole from him. Everybody has hurts in their life, stuff that people have done to you. And knocks at the door and he looks at him. And then Ty, the friend, hands him this letter, this book of Philemon that we see. And he opens up the letter and on the bottom he scrolls down and he sees in big writing because Paul really struggled. He had a physical impairment and he couldn't write Paul. And, he's, and he, he scans quickly through it and he said, I want you to refresh me by receiving Onesimus. As if he was me. Can you imagine that? Here's this person who's wronged you, who's done terrible things to you. And all of a sudden, the, the, the whole thing switches around. Now, if you were on the other side and you were Onesimus, now, in, in our world, if somebody's done something wrong to you, you can cancel them, you can ghost them, you can say terrible things about them on the internet. In their world, uh, when one of us came in there, they could, he could actually be killed because he was, he was indentured to this man, so he could have killed him. So his knees are shaking, right, He's, as he knocks on the door, probably needs a fresh set of underwear, right? Because this could really, literally be the end for this guy. And he knocks on the door, and all of a sudden he sees this guy. And he starts to hear the letter that Paul wrote. And all through the letter, Paul says things like, treat him like you would treat me. I'm going to take his debt if he's done anything wrong. He is your brother now. He used to be useless. Now he's been useful to me. And there's this like, thing that happens in the middle of this situation. Because... Betray, cancel, angry is the world's way of doing thing. God's way is, is acknowledging the truth. It's making it happen, but there's a whole different way of doing it. All right, I'm going to read the scripture, and then we're going to take a few things out of that because it is important for us to grab a hold of it. Philemon, verse 8. He said, accordingly, though I am bold enough, this is Paul talking, in Christ, to command you, say command, command. 
basically what he's saying is, I could just tell you, uh, Philemon, to just do this, but I want to do it a different way. And I want you to notice that all through this, you guys, it isn't the language of commerce or, or some demand kind of language. It's the language of family. And that is why I, I entitled this message to fight like family, because the biggest thing that you're going to hear today is if we treat each other like family, that's how we make this work. I appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man and a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, and now he is useful to me and also to you. I am sending him back to you, sending him my very heart, I'm sending you my very heart. Now, when he says heart, well, you know what he actually means? His inner organs. So it's kind of like, I'm not sending you my appendix, which is sort of useless and you throw away. It's like I'm sending you my kidney and my liver and my lungs. I'm sending you my very being. I'm thinking, what? No, you're not. You're sending this useless guy to me. Like, put yourself, you're here, right? You're at the door. You get this? What, are, what is this all about? And Paul has this whole way of reversing things that he begins to say. And he says, I would have kept him with me in order that he may serve me uh, your, during your, on your behalf and during the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be my compulsion. But it might be of your own accord because that's how you are. You're respectful with family. You don't demand it. To, to make it happen. No longer as a bond servant, but more than a bond servant as a beloved brother. This is who he was, but this is who he is now. Especially to me, but much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you consider me your partner, charge that to my account if he's done anything wrong. I, Paul, write this with my own hand and I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want you to have benefit in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Now, if you were following that, there's a couple of things that kind of become evident. One is that Paul is totally leveraging his relational capital with this guy. He's saying, hey, you know what? You consider me your spiritual father? Well, I'm going to call it in because I have this young man that I need you to begin to see differently because you just see him as this useless slave who stole from you, but he actually came into, out to Rome and he was hiding in Rome somehow, God, right? Connected him up with Paul. He becomes a Christian. He's, he became an incredibly useful guy to Paul. And Paul goes, you know, I could just not tell Philemon that he's here and keep him for myself, but that wouldn't be how family functions. You know how family functions? It, you know, like in the good way? Family functions in the good way is it's the place where you talk through stuff. It's the place where you belong even when things don't go well. Family is a place that you can be at peace in. And I understand it isn't always that way, but that's, the, that's what Paul is saying here. I want you to learn how to refresh this situation, Philemon, just like you refresh all those other people. And folks, this is... The hard stuff, right? Remember I said I wasn't talking, well, other you immature people, you can like talk among yourselves, but. 
Uh, this, is, this is a hard word, right? Because Paul is kind of pushy. Did you hear that? He said, this is important to me. You know, let, let me take the debt. Uh, it should be important to you. Uh, I don't want to have you do this, but, you know, you need to do this. And, and if it wasn't, if you didn't, if you saw it as like two immature people talking, it would be different. But if you see it as somebody you have a relationship with, somebody you can look in the eye and you can say, hey, you're my brother and I care about you, that means we can do tough stuff together. That means we can talk it out and we can really work things out. Because if we don't work it out, we end up being just like the world. It just shoves everything under and then all of a sudden, boom, it explodes. Canceled. But you're my brother. And that's not how family works, right? And so Paul has a tough conversation. But what he does is he frames it and he puts it in family language because poor Philemon, he was not getting this. (laughs) He needed help to help somebody to say, hey, listen. And and this is, I'm going to go through this really quickly, but there are are three parts to how we can do this tied up in each one of the people. So the first one is Paul. What did Paul do? He took a risk and he leveraged his, you know, his, his stuff as a person, his relationship. And he said, you know what? I think that that reconciliation, that peace in a family is so important that I'm going to grab you two guys and I'm going to put you together. And I'm going to trust that God is going to kind of help you. Now, I, I had a situation like this happen to me years and years ago. I, I'm hoping that it's helpful. I have two friends that are, if you could broad spectrums apart, they were probably that far apart in terms of their personality. The, this guy over here was that type A entrepreneur, make it happen, dreamer guy who was always thinking about the next thing. And, and you know some of these people. You can't kind of tell what they've done, what they haven't done, and what they're thinking they might do. Because their whole world is just like this big whirlwind of vision and everything like that. And that was, that was my friend over here. My other friend was the most thoughtful person I have ever known. I could, after a while I got to know him, I could see a thought come to mind. And he would think about it for 10 minutes before he said anything. I'm an extrovert. Thoughts just go, and they're out of my mouth. (laughs) Some of you know this. You are that, right? Amen? And this is who, and and then you think about it for 10 minutes. And then I could see he'd be thinking about it for the whole day. And then for two weeks, he would think about this. And then he would decide, he was very wise and discerning. He would decide, you know, that's probably not worth talking about. And he would let it go. Can you see the difference between these two people, right? So they decided to do a ministry project together. This did not go well. They came to me about three days later, and my buddy over here said, I don't think he thought about this part. This guy's a liar. He just says stuff, and it's completely not true. We're not even working on the project. I heard him talking to somebody, and he said, oh, yeah, we've done this, and we've done that. We haven't done any of that. How is he even a Christian? Have you heard those words? How is he even a Christian? And so this guy over here goes, what is wrong with this stick in the mud? This guy does nothing and he's always pecking and saying this and doing this. And so they're fighting it out together. And I thought, yeah, I think I'm going to grab a Coke and watch this play out. (laughs) Dinner and a show. (laughs) No, I didn't say that. (laughs) I thought, you know what? This is going to be really messy. 
but I think I, I think I need to get my two friends together. And it, it took a little bit of conjoling, and it took a little bit of, hey guys, and, and prayed about Holy Spirit timing. And this is you, right? You're remembering where am I? There may be people in your life that this is your part with. And when I felt like the time was right, I brought the two of them together, and I learned something incredibly important, and this is, this is the crux of this. We spent the first hour or so talking about every individual little issue and them talking to each other, and there was not a snowball's chance in Hades that they were going to ever agree about anything. Right? And have you ever had that conversation with people where it's like they were on a different planet? And here's what I learned, and here's what Paul does all through this thing. He doesn't say reconcile all the details of what went on. He says reconcile the relationship. Because family is important. And you know what? You can go with people, and you can talk about this this stuff, and you will never, ever agree on what went on. Or you can agree, boy, you are so important to me. I'm going to choose to let that go. I've already forgiven you, but I'm never... Does that make sense, you guys? This is how you reconcile. You believe that family is more important than how you see things or how you've experienced things because you've prayed and let go. Okay, that's, that's Paul. Philemon is the next person. I think he, he had a, the bigger challenge because what he has done is he, he had this guy who had done him wrong and he was the victim and he could have played the victim card except Paul was so masterful in how he laid everything all out and he said, hey, you know what? If you, any debt you owe, he says, here's what I want you to do, Philemon, I want you to reframe your thinking on this situation. See, victim thinking is, is victim thinking something that happens in our world? Everybody is a victim, right? Which is really bad for the people who actually are. Because there are people in this world who've had really, really tough things. And what's happened in our world is everybody's a victim. And it makes it impossible, and some of you aren't going to be happy with me, it makes it impossible to move forward if that is your identity. I'm not saying bad things didn't happen, Okay. If that becomes your identity, it's impossible to move forward. This guy took my money, he was useless, he did all this stuff to me, and now he's coming back, and now I'm supposed to do this and have a mended relationship. And Paul says, don't just give him a home, treat him like you would treat me. (laughs) That's impossible, right? How much do you need God for this? Yeah, yeah, you can sort of forgive him and like tolerate him. And every time he goes to the store, count the money or count the change. Or did he bring back the right amount? No, 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 no. Would you do that to me? Then treat him like you would treat me. This is a whole different way of doing it, isn't it, friends? And what Paul was asking Philemon is he says, I want you to look at this differently. Your debt is different. I'm going to, I'm going to actually pay for your debt. But most importantly, I want to reframe your circumstances. I want you to begin to see things differently. And he says this verse in 15. He says, this is perhaps why he was parted with you for a while. Now the victim card would be he wasn't parted with me for a while. 
he left me and stole my stuff. (laughs) Right? And is that true? Yep, that's true. But Paul says if you are going to think that way all the time, you are never going to get to the place where you have peace in your life. You will never be that rabbit. And he says God's perspective, and here's where we have this immense advantage because you are followers of Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and he can help you to see a different perspective. Perhaps this is why this whole thing happened, so that useless slave could become useful to me and useful to you, and now you've gained a brother family. I never thought of it that way. Can you see why I'm even saying that? I just never thought of it that way. And that's why we need you to be Paul sometimes, to help people. And that's why we need to be Philemon sometimes where we're open to saying, you know what, I need a different perspective on this because I'm just thinking badly. And the last one, all right, before I do that, I want to tell you my story. I had this like two weeks ago. There was a gentleman who I had known from 30 years ago, and he, I saw him in a, in a situation, and I gave him a big hug. And uh, those of us who are huggers, you know how people receive hugs. Some people, when you hug them, they're like, ah, get away, I'm not a hugger, right? Which to them, I just give them a, like one more squeeze, just to... <laughs> and there are people who are, are, are huggers, and you get like the big bear hug. And there are other people who you just know, and I got this kind of hug back from him. It's like, what? He had no idea. And things had happened in our past that were difficult in a, in a former situation. And he came to me a little while later and said, hey, I need to meet with you. Can I meet with you like this week now? And it wasn't convenient and whatever. I said, Sure. And I went to Eileen and I said, I hope this isn't like dragging up old stuff because I've actually forgiven. I'm like completely done with this. But I, you know, I guess if I have to, I will. And and he's this, um, you know, amazing old guy, older guy. And he comes to me and he says, hey, Aubrey, I wanted to ask you for your forgiveness because I didn't do what I should have done. And it was like refreshment came over me. And, and then he said something that I, I don't think I'm ever going to forget. He said, you know what? I grew up with a bunch of guys. And we grew up together. You just came in as pastor. And these guys were always older than me. And I always sort of, I, I found it hard to contradict them. And so when I should have done things to take care of you and to help you, I didn't because I just abdicated to these older guys. And you know what, you guys? There is no chance in a thousand, thousand years that I would have ever thought that. I needed my perspective reframed. And, and you know, I could say, so do you forgive me? I said, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> We're good, right? Because had forgiven. But step two is this amazing refreshment that comes when we are the gospel to each other. And we, 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 we take the risk to say, I'm, I'm gonna, I think you're worth it. I think you are worth enough that I'm going to go walk through some of these tough things and have the right attitude and say, you know what, is there another perspective that I can see on this situation? And, and the last one is Onsimus, and, and you guys, Onsimus is all of us. 
Onesimus is the person who has no hope because he definitely needs somebody else to come in. He's dead wrong. He has no way of paying back his debt. And he just comes and he falls for mercy. Sounds a lot like you and me and Jesus. And he comes in that place and Paul says, let me take the debt. Let me pull this all out. And he is in that place that you and I are in. And and if we begin to see people that way, if we begin to see ourselves that way, to say, you know what, I needed... I need to treat people like Jesus treated me. He didn't demand all these things of me. He forgave me. He loves me. He loves me enough to not let me stay where I am, but wants me to move forward. All three of them, Paul, Philemon, Onesimus, all of them teach us how to fight like family. Last thought I have for you is this. Eileen and I were talking about somebody who's really important to us. And uh, this lady had a really terrible, really terrible upbringing. Her dad was not a good man. And she prayed for him and forgave him as, a, as an adult and moved forward. Then eventually, uh, as she was praying for him, in his, later in his life, past his retirement, he accepted Christ. And he said, you know what, I need to make peace with all this stuff. He was a Christian, he was forgiven, but he was kind of tormented with the things he had done because he had done terrible, terrible things. And he came to this lady and he said, can you forgive me for what you've done? I don't know how I'm going to carry it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he was genuinely, genuinely sorry. And she said, you know what? I forgave you a long time ago. And here's the thing. The next week, he was going to go in here. He was going to get baptized. And this lady was the wisest woman. He said, you know what you need to do? You need to leave everything down in the tank because it's actually forgiven. When God forgave you, I forgave you, and you can just leave it in the tank, and it's done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? We have two things we want you to do, and then you want to hang around for spontaneously people getting dunked. Bow your heads, close your eyes. If you don't have to go, please don't. I want to just give you an opportunity to acknowledge something that's really important. Is that maybe you're here and you've been in a situation where you realize, um, I've done my best to absolutely forgive people who have hurt me. But, and, and the Bible says be at peace as far as it's concerned with you. Sometimes you can't make this second part. But sometimes you can And maybe if you're that person that you think, I, as I was speaking here, you said, I need to make peace with somebody. And without anybody looking around, if you guys could all just close your eyes, because this is between you and and God. If that's you and you say, you know what, I need to make peace with somebody, do you just raise your hand up? Yeah, hands going up all over the place, you guys. So don't be be ashamed. Raise your hand up if that's you. Yeah, good. You can put them down. I'm going to pray for you. In fact, we're all going to pray together. But we're going to start with the the first and the best way that we make peace. And that's making peace with God. That's where it all begins. And so I'd like to ask you this. If you're here today and you have never made that decision to accept Jesus as the leader of your life. Or maybe you have a long time ago and you need to come back. Without anybody looking around, would you raise your hand up now? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you in the front. Yeah, thank you in the back. Good. That's fantastic. Thank you, Lord. 
So we're going to pray both of those things. And I said I wouldn't single you out, so let's pray it all together. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this with all your heart, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus who came and showed me what real love is. Today I accept that love. And I choose to pass it on to my family, to those who you bring to my mind. I thank you for the peace that I have with you. And I thank you for the peace that I can have in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand? Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app. 